0: Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Monday, February 7th edition of the Basement Academy. Yesterday in worship at the 11 o'clock service at Greenwich, we had the great joy of uh, baptizing Callie Brooke Blazer, uh, daughter of Sam and Brandy. What a joy uh, it was to Hold her in my arms and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Those who were there know how she kind of stole the hearts as she was looking out to the congregation and smiling. What a joyful time. And then we celebrated communion. Um, I can only think maybe of three other times in my entire ministry of, I don't know, coming up on 30 years of ordained ministry this fall that uh i have uh, experienced baptism and communion in the same service and so what a joy uh, to um as a church family uh, to embrace uh, practice celebrate the sacraments these signs these visible signs of the presence and grace of our lord jesus christ and the love of our god so anyway blessings to little callie and and her mom and dad Uh, The psalm this morning does speak about the blessing of, of children. Psalm 127. This is one of the pilgrim psalms, and it says it's a psalm of Solomon. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat for he grants sleep to those he loves. Sons are a heritage from the Lord, children a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. So a blessing. God grants children to us and our quiver is full. In this sweet reminder, in vain you rise early and stay up late toiling for food to eat, God will provide. But we look to God to watch over our own homes, build our houses, as it were, the the house, our households, and to watch over uh, our city and our lives. So Lord, hear our prayer. Okay, I think we're entering now our fifth week of talking about character formation. And so rather than try to do a four week review, just gonna bring it back to this uh, three-fold pattern or way of thinking, head, heart, hand. Cultivating the mind of Christ, cultivating the heart of Christ, the virtues, as it were. Uh, Wanna give a shout out to my good friend out in Boulder, Colorado, uh, uh, Jim Carpenter. Uh, Was in uh, Bible study and in the church that I was serving Uh, before coming to greenwich uh, jim uh, has been listening in tuning into the basement academy and uh, uh, told a story of uh, visiting uh, the church of the beatitudes uh, evidently just up the hill from the sea of of galilee i have not been uh, to israel to the holy land but he said there was a mosaic design in the floor of that church uh, church of the beatitudes to the seven heavenly virtues. And it was the four cardinal virtues, um, justice, uh, fortitude, uh, let me get them right, uh, temperance, uh, and prudence, and the three heavenly virtues or, or theological virtues of faith, hope, and in this case, charity, right? Faith, hope, and love. And so uh, thanks, Jim, and maybe you'll be joining us in our Wednesday discussion group. Again, open invitation every Wednesday, 3 p.m., Shoot me an email, I'll shoot you the Zoom link, and uh, we have a great conversation every week. So head, heart, hand. Now we wanna talk about the hands, okay? And and I take that as the stand-in for our actions, for our lives, for the practices and habits. And so, I'm reminded of a saying I heard, honestly, probably the first or second year that uh, I was uh, identified as a Christian uh, when I was still uh, down at the University of Virginia. I was attending a a fellowship and the fellow said this, if you, you sow a thought, you'll reap an act. Sow an act and you will reap a habit. Sow a habit and you will reap a character. Sow a character and you will reap a destiny, kind of this chain. So a thought, you act. How you think, you act. How you act becomes, over time, a habit. The habits become your character. Your character determines your destiny. Mm, That stuck with me. (laughs) It it, it was was great, in, in a good way. Really got me, you know, pay attention to all the stuff of your life. Habits form and sometimes in ways that we're not even aware of them because we're not attentive to our thought life that leads to our actions, maybe our speech, habits of speech and and the like. And so, as we come to talk about the hands, okay, cultivating a character through our hands, through our our lives, our actions, I wanna draw that notion (laughs) to the front. I want you, as I have been, thinking about my thoughts and my actions, the habits. You know, at 61, the habits are kind of set, and it's tricky to break some habits and start new habits. Now, I don't want to break the good ones. I've got many good habits, and you have many good habits, and so I've already said my five psalms and uh, one chapter of Proverbs. I already read my four chapters of the scriptures this morning. That habit did not always exist in my life, but now it does. And so uh, it's this notion <clears throat> that we need to pay attention to the actions and patterns and habits of our life. So I've got several scriptures that I'd like to read just to kind of begin to frame this. And then over the course of this week, I'm gonna talk about the ways in which we can give a, a, a thoughtful attention to patterns and habits. We'll talk about disciplines, okay, spiritual disciplines. And so first, I want to read just a short little verse from uh, Paul's letter, first letter, to uh, his protege, Timothy. So he's trying to uh, teach Timothy, train Timothy, kind of mentor uh, Timothy, we would, we would say it today. And he says, physical training for physical training is of some value. But godliness has value for all things, holding promise both for the present life and the life to come. And so he is um, giving Timothy reason to think about his life. You have physical training, thinking there of the athletes, okay, that the Olympics have started and God bless these folks, they have been training and training and training, not just for a couple months, but for years. They have been giving themselves really since childhood and they got identified and got in the pipeline and you know the best coaches and, and, and the like. And so what we will see on display, what we're seeing on display in the Olympics is physical training at the highest level. You know, the, the, the skills, the abilities, the twists and turns, it's just fantastic, beautiful. Physical training is of some value, but godliness, godly training, spiritual training is of eternal value. It holds promise for this life, and so as we train ourselves in godliness, as we train our hands, as it were, there's value now, but also in the age to come, in the world to come. And so, uh, Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. Um, along the same lines, and this is a Pauline theme, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, <clears throat> verses 24 to 27. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Everyone who competes in the games, and he's probably thinking about early form of uh, Olympic games, right? Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Same picture as he's teaching to Timothy, right? But he draws upon the picture of the the games, right? And so those who win get a perishable prize. Uh, Then it would be the victor's wreath and then it would wilt over time. But we do this to get a prize that will not fade. It will last forever. And so there's this language, and not everybody may be comfortable with the language, but I beat my body, make it my slave, so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. So sadly, there have been in recent months and last few years, there have been a number of sad examples of ministers with prominent influence over time who have been exposed either prior to their death or after their death to have also been living some kind of double life, um, engaging in sexual immorality or other uh, inappropriate behaviors. And so I think this is what Paul's getting at. There, uh, There was activity that was happening. You know, Paul was preaching, but I don't want to preach and then be disqualified. That is, I don't want to tell the good news but then be cut off from that good news because of my lack of character, my failure to subdue my own physical body, the, the habits of my life, the, the appetites and the like, okay? And so that's 1 Corinthians chapter nine. Uh, Philippians chapter two. Um, little lips, this is again, the apostle Paul. Philippians chapter two. He, uh, in verses 12 and 13, he says, continue, he's guiding the Philippians, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So there's this effort. You have to do something. Continue, work it out with fear and trembling. That is with attentiveness and awareness, okay? Uh, A sense of responsibility and accountability. So work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, to will and to act according to his good purpose. And what is his good purpose? That we be conformed to the image of Christ. Okay, that's Romans 8, 28, 29. So it's this notion of we have a responsibility to work our salvation out, not just be passive recipients. We are passive recipients of grace, but then grace is, leans forward. Grace leans in. God has good works that he has prepared for us to do in advance. And so doing those works is not in any way contradictory to the notion of grace. And so work out your salvation with fear and trembling, with attentiveness and accountability and the like. Uh, Hebrews chapter 5, the uh Writer of Hebrews, we're not sure exactly who it is. Might have been the Apostle Paul. I think it was Apollos, but that's for another day to talk about that. And so Hebrews chapter 5, there's a little bit of chastising going on because they have not progressed in the faith, in their understanding. And so he says, in fact, so we have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. So he's a little bit admonishment and, 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 and chastisement for their slowness to uh, embrace the word of God and, to, and to, to work it into their lives. You need milk, not solid food, he goes on. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use, here's, listen up, by constant use, have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So here, Paul's talking, or not not Paul, the writer of Hebrews, might be Paul, might be Apollos, might be someone else. The writer of Hebrews um, is, is calling them forward, hey, you guys need to lean into this stuff. You need to do your homework. Pay attention. Just don't go to Bible study and then go home and get about your day and go golfing. Go to Bible study, come home and contemplate, meditate, figure out how to work those teachings and those truths into your life. Infants need milk. The mature, the growing can take that solid food, but the key is it's the solid food is for the mature who by constant use, by using the word of God, by, by leaning into it, by remembering it, by obeying it, by making it a part of your life, you train yourself to distinguish good from evil. We were talking yesterday in, in uh, church, the, the the morning message, around the every wind of teaching. How do we know that which is true and good and helpful and reliable to build us up and build others up? Well... <laughs> infants get tossed about. They hear anything and they believe anything, but not all teachings are true or have been spoken in love, truth and love. And so it's the same kind of same idea that it is running in a couple different places here in our scriptures. And then one last passage. I didn't write it up here uh, on the whiteboard, but it's Second Peter chapter 1 uh, verses 5 through looks like about 8. <clears throat> And so, Peter, in his opening uh, greeting, as it were, is encouraging them to progress in the faith, to to get on with it. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge, self-control and to self-control, perseverance and to perseverance, godliness and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm. Some have called this the ladder of faith. Add to your faith, goodness, goodness, knowledge, knowledge, self control, self control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, uh, brotherly kindness, love. And so there is a connection, there's a progress, there's a growth, there's a maturity. How do we do this? That's what we want to be talking about this week. How do we engage in spiritual training? Timothy? How do we beat our bodies and subdue them and and, and make sure we are not disqualified? How do we work out our salvation? How do we train ourselves to discern good from evil, right from wrong? How do we add to our faith goodness and and, and godliness and perseverance, etc.? Dallas Willard has uh, written a book uh, entitled The Spirit of the Disciplines. I'm going to refer to this in uh, another book uh, later this week. And in it, he talks, he says something very simple grace is not opposed to effort. There is a false notion that is in the church. Uh, so, this is an every wind of teaching that is not true. It sounds true. But we know that we're saved by grace, not by our works. That is, we cannot merit God's favor. We cannot earn his favor. We cannot, by righteous actions, you know, gain enough brownie points that God has to let us in, okay? Our world may work that way. This is not the economy of heaven. We receive by grace. We are dead in our sins and trespasses, uh, Ephesians chapter 2. God, in His love for us, raises us up with Christ. The Spirit is given to us. He awakens us. We hear the gospel. We apprehend it. We lay hold of it. You have been saved by grace through faith. That is, we apprehend Jesus. We lay hold of Him by faith. But this is a gift, not because of works, lest anyone should boast. So so there's this notion of grace and works being opposed to each other in a, a salvific or a saving manner. We cannot earn our salvation some people then say, oh, well, then I don't need to do anything. I don't want to try to have a works righteousness, so I'm not going to, you know, beat my body and subdue it. I'm not going to do godly training, etc. And Dallas Willard said that is a false notion. Grace is not opposed to effort. The effort that we make to read the scriptures, so I made a decision. I got up, got out of bed, got dressed, I came downstairs, I poured my tea, and I sat down in the same chair. I've said, i made that decision. I sowed the thought, I need to start reading my Bible more than I do. I want to read through the Bible in a year. How do I do that? I research four chapters a day. I learned long ago, I told you the story of my struggle in prayer life, and I heard Billy Graham talk about five psalms and one chapter proverbs a day. I had to Carve out time. I made the effort in my own life to set other things aside in that moment, not to sleep in, get out of bed, etc. And I carve out 30, 45 minutes a morning for Bible reading, for Psalms, and for Proverbs. That is not opposed to grace. That is an expression of grace. That is God's grace in my life. That is working out my salvation with fear and trembling. That was something I sensed a call to do as a pastor. You may not have that same call, so I do not wish to impose that upon you, but as we'll talk later this week in the spiritual disciplines, it is the witness of the church throughout the centuries that progress in the faith, growth and godliness from infancy to maturity, wisdom, character formation, follows a a well-traveled path. There are particular um, exercises, practices, disciplines, things that can be done. Again, this is why we're talking about it in the physical sense of the hands that help one to mature in their understanding by reading God's Word, in their character and virtues by contemplating uh, the spiritual life, and then by the habits and actions of our lives that are formed, head, heart, hand. And so what we're talking about is cultivating the habits of the habits of godliness or the habits of Christ-likeness, okay? Looking to Jesus life, uh, looking to the life of the Jesus followers through the years who have engaged in these activities. So let this be an introduction and for the balance of the week we're going to talk about some practical aspects, efforts that we can engage in, actions that we may wish to consider uh, taking into our own lives. Effort, effort, <clears throat> spiritual formation, character formation does not just happen. Um, There may be passive elements, you know, the circumstances uh, of our lives that we have to respond to, but there are active elements, and that's what we'll be talking about this week, okay? Let's take a moment to pray, and then uh, we'll pick up and see you in the morning. Father, thank you uh, for the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that is at work within us, and you pledge and promise that that good work which you have begun through Christ will be brought to completion at the day of Christ Jesus Lord, help us to lean in, to engage, as Paul counseled Timothy, as he spoke of his own life. May we be those who train ourselves spiritually, that we would subdue our bodies and our appetites and our minds so that we might not be ineffective and unproductive, but rather fruitful Christians for your glory. Do this this day and the days to come as we pray through Christ our Lord, who taught us to pray together, saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the God of grace and glory watch over you, keep you, bless you, train you (laughs) this day and forevermore. Amen.